Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome to episode 11 of The Promised Land, a Manchester United podcast brought to you by 90 Min. I'm Scott Saunders, joined once again by football journalist and United season ticket holder Rob Blanchett. Remember to subscribe to our show. We're on Apple, Spotify and Google Podcasts and follow us on Twitter too. You can find us at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B and at Promised Land MU. Rob, we've had some time to digest what happened on Sunday, the massacre of Manchester United at the hands of Liverpool. I would ask, how are you? But I can pretty much, I already know how you're feeling. Um, Just tell me about it, Rob. You were there. Awful. Well, you use the word digest. I would use the word indigestion. So that's how I feel watching Manchester United at the moment. Yes, unfortunately, I was there to see the display against Liverpool and what happened. The worst thing about it, Scott, was that it wasn't a surprise. You know, everything we've been prophesizing over the last maybe three or four months going in, even back to pre-season into where we are now, looking at the performances, looking at the metrics, trying to find a way of what Manchester United are trying to do on a football pitch. It all came to pass against the bitter enemies. You can see how far Liverpool are ahead of this United team. And it's not a question of talent. United have got plenty of talent. It really does now boil down to the tactics and what Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is trying to do with this project. Uh, I think he's just hit a bit of a brick wall. You know, we've seen it all the way back to, say, the Newcastle game where they won 4-1, but I thought the performance was poor. Uh, I got a lot of bad feedback from United fans for that across social media, saying that how can you be upset with a 4-1 result? But it did feel that the tide was turning. It felt like we were going to see more defeats rather than victories. Um, 5-0 against Liverpool, probably the worst Manchester United game I've ever attended in my life since being a seven, eight, nine-year-old when I first started going to Old Trafford. Um, And I have seen big defeats before. I've seen United lose 6-1 to City at home. And I've seen, you know, matches where United have had complete failure. But this was a bad one. This was was worse than the City game. Uh, City scored three late goals. I think it was in injury time. They scored three goals in that 6-1 game. There was a 6-1 at Old Trafford last season at the hands of Spurs, who United play on Saturday. But United had 10 men for about 60 minutes in that game after Anthony Martial had been sent off, even though they'd completely capitulated uh, in the time before he was sent off. And probably that was a contributing factor as to why uh, he was red carded. This was worse. I can't remember a worse defeat than this. I've got to say it was 
to be carved open and found uh, for Liverpool to forge a three-on-one attack in four minutes. What I, I'm, we've been talking about it, Rob. We've we've seen this come in. I think at a stretch, you could probably only say that United have played well once this season. That might have been in the opening game against Leeds. Every other time, you've had bones to pick out of it. There's been things that have been wrong, and. United have felt the warnings. They've had warnings coming from all angles. We've been talking about it on this podcast uh, for a number of weeks now. Paul Scholes spoke after United beat Atalanta in the Champions League last week, warning that if United play like that again, Liverpool will absolutely tear them to shreds. And that's how it came about. The disorganisation is obvious to see. The lack of effort. There's been defensive statistics about United's pressing, uh, which looks it's not a press because they're not pressing together. It's just one person at a time going out and trying to get the ball and just being picked off. There's so many things wrong. Uh, and Ollie has always had the backing of the matchday fan. And since you were there, Rob, I just wanted to talk about the atmosphere in the ground on Sat- on Sunday, sorry, and how so many people were leaving. And I, w- I thought... While there were a number of people towards the end singing, you know, supporting the team, this kind of stuff, and Ollie in his post-match press conference acknowledged that, it did feel like a day where everybody in unison thought, all right, something's got to change, didn't it? Yeah, I think a good 25,000, 30,000 stopped all the way to the final moments and... You know, it was a strange atmosphere because in the last 10 minutes, we were all singing like we were winning a Champions League final. You know, that's our job as fans. You know, we go to that stadium to support the team, you know, and if the players are not doing their job, then it's up to the fans to carry on doing theirs. But I also don't kind of begrudge any of the fans that did walk out. Most of the fans left when Pogba got sent off. I think that was a moment when all hope was lost, even though I think all United fans expected that United were still going to lose that football match, whether Pogba was on the pitch or not. But that was the kind of moment where I think it broke and a lot of people thought, hmm, best get on the motorway early so I can get away from this disaster. Um, It's difficult, you know, Scott, because I think when you look at this United team, I think it's important to dig down into the metrics. You know, you need to look at the numbers to say what is actually happening. The bits that we're seeing that are poor, why are they poor? And we we know from the stats that United are one of the least running teams in the Premier League. Yeah, so they don't run and that's because they don't press and that doesn't work. Now, one team that presses less than Man United and runs less than Man United is Chelsea. So Chelsea actually run less than Man United. But what's the difference? Chelsea are tactically organised. Chelsea sit in their shape and they hurt you and they go and win football matches. Chelsea had won 7-0 just before United obviously got hammered 5-0 just the day before. They showed that you can play systems where you don't run as much, you know, where you can, you can do that. But United are a mess. And this is the problem. And that's why Liverpool carved through United because they don't really understand what they're supposed to be doing. There's a disconnection between the touchline and what's going on on a football pitch. And the senior players are not cutting it either. You know, so I, I talk about Ronaldo before in recent weeks. Bruno got man of the match the game before. I thought he had a bad game and he was man of the match. <laughs> so this, this is the weird thing about it when you add it all together. You know, people can aim their bows at people like Paul Pogba because he got sent off. But there's so many other things happening on there. But I think for the match going fan, all you can still do is just keep singing. And you know what? They'll sing the next match. 
and they'll sing the next match. And if Ole gets sacked, you know, in three matches time, they'll sing his name until the last minute because that's what United fans do. Yeah, uh, I remember being at... Uh... And when Chelsea beat United 4-0 at Stamford Bridge a few years ago, Pedro scored after about 30 seconds. That was another day where Chelsea absolutely battered United and towards the away end was great fun. It was really, it was really great fun, to be fair. Uh, that's what United fans do. They are supportive. But I think this was, you know, we, we, we've spoken in the last few weeks about the moderates um, and how they are starting to kind of lose their faith and this kind of stuff. It doesn't mean you can't still show your support, but it did feel like, because Liverpool had a, a lot to spare. If in the second half, I've kind of felt like as soon as they went five up, they could have got 10. Uh, it just it just felt to me that that was that way. But they they did take their foot off the gas, conserved energy a little bit. And that that, if anything, is more damning than actually going and scoring a few more goals. Oh, absolutely. And I think Liverpool played the whole game in second gear. Because before there was a blink of an eye, they were 2-0 up. And really, the game was over very, very early on. Now, none of that was a surprise to, to United fans. I think it was probably a bigger surprise to Liverpool fans who might not watch every minute of Manchester United football. But before the game, in terms of form, there was no comparison between the two teams. And this Liverpool team are really flying now. Like They, they look like they're going to compete for the Premier League and for the Champions League. And I mean, in the real latter stages of both competitions. And credit to Klopp, he got his centre-back back from the injury table. He's back in the team and they've found a way. And their 4-3-3 is a, is a delight in football terms. Horrible for Manchester United fans to actually see it in real terms, the real time. And compared to United system, it's not, you know, United are completely on a different planet. They're not even breathing the same air as Liverpool at the moment. So I think that this is where the kind of buck stops with Ole. He's the manager. He has to find solutions to these things. The players themselves must take a lot of the responsibility. But as I said, there is a big disconnect between the technical area at Old Trafford and the football pitch. And that is now manifesting itself in really, really poor results. Yeah, I mean, we are recording this on Wednesday. We've had some time to see the fallout. There was, uh, it, maybe it looked at, at some point on, I think it was Monday, where United were really considering what to what to do with Ollie's job. Um, it does now look as though he will get at least the Spurs game. We'll talk about that in a second, Rob. Uh, but it does feel like it is the end. It's just a matter of time for Ollie now because I don't really see how you come back from losing 5-0 at home to Liverpool in such an con- unconvincing manner or such a convincing manner if uh, you're a Liverpool fan. Rob, talk to me about uh, Ollie's position. Uh, now, your understanding on the situation, we have seen that, obviously, we know that Spurs uh, are coming up away on uh, Saturday evening. There's Atalanta away in the Champions League, and then there's a home game against Manchester City on Saturday at 12.30 UK time before the international break. And that isn't even with a difficult game's end because I think Chelsea and Arsenal are waiting after the international break so to me it doesn't look like Oli can turn this around I think there's a growing feeling among the fan base that that's the case perhaps that's registered within the club as well and talk to me about what your understanding of the situation is why is he still in the job at the moment well we said a few games back looking at the schedule ahead and with the performances that we'd seen the there was a consensus that that Oli had five games to turn it around. Now that was two games ago. 
So before the Atalanta game, it was like, this is a crucial period now. United are in a kind of iffy position in the Premier League in the sense that they're dropping points. Performances are bad. What is to come? So you got the Atalanta game and you dodged a bullet. You were 2-0 down, you won 3-2, and that's okay. But then you've got to go into the next game, which was Liverpool, and show something. And what did United do? They showed they've got nothing. Nothing in the tank. Tactically poor, as I said, all the bits that we've just talked about a second ago. Uh, They were never going to fire him on the back of the 5-0. That wasn't a thing. Why is that? It's because United are not prepared to fire him. So a lot of United fans have said, as you just kind of said there about on the, the Monday after the game, you know, why do you just not firing him and get on with the job of hiring someone new? In business, it doesn't work like that. You don't get rid of someone and then just leave the void there. Now, some clubs might do that. Manchester United are not going to do that. But Ole is on kind of borrowed time now. So these next three games that are coming up, we've got ahead Spurs, obviously is the next one, Atalanta away, and then you've got Manchester City at home, which is a truly frightening prospect with the way that they're playing. Ole needs three wins in those games to just just to remain, I think, just to keep going. But I think the Glazers are, you know, like I hear a lot about how the Glazers protect Ole and Ole is also protective of the owners. All of that, unfortunately, is hogwashed. It's not real. It's not true. It's just press, chat and talk. It's not reality. The reality is this, is that if you lose matches and you lose them badly, you get sacked very quickly. Jose Mourinho, it's important to uh, reiterate, was very much Edward Wood's man. Edward Wood's choice, very close to the chairman or uh, the executive chairman at that point. And United didn't really want to sack him, but they just got to a point where performances caught up with poor results. And then it's over very quickly. And I think that happens at any football club. So... Ole's got to have a little grace period here to show that he maybe can get the show back on the road, that the train has derailed itself off the tracks and that there is a way to get that train back on course. And as you just said there, I don't really think he can. I don't think he's got the tools to do it. I don't think he's got maybe the tactics to solve the issues that we are seeing. Is there any way that he is able to manage this? You you mentioned three wins, only three wins will do, but the, the concern is there now that even if he did manage to somehow pull it out of the bag, that we would eventually get to this situation again at some point in the next few months or weeks, right? That's the problem, yeah. So, uh, you know, you just uh, touched on about the, the runner games. Really, the next 10 are not good. You know, the next 10 games, you could significantly lose a large proportion of them, but it starts at the Spurs. So you've got the Spurs game, and I've heard people say, oh, yeah, you know, we can get, you know, United can go to Spurs, they can beat Spurs. Of course they can. But Tottenham are showing signs of life. You know, Harry Kane and Son are showing that they're they're up for it again. They did beat United by six goals last season, so there is always that. But it's it's going to be a game to game basis now, Scott. And the issue with that is that if you lose at Spurs, the whole world is going to go mad. You know, so this is Ole's put himself in this situation now with the results. Is that there is going to be small grace periods of one game, maybe two games at a time. If you beat Spurs beat Atalanta and then by some miracle beat Manchester City, then I think he will get probably till Christmas. But as you said, it's a stay of execution because I think the the club have now seen where the project is under this manager and the club do not like it. And we know the fans don't like it as well. You just talked about moderates. I think most moderates are in the same camp now, like myself, as of saying that we've seen enough and that the tactics are not good enough for this squad. And if United want to win titles... Three years into the Solskjaer reign, 
they're not going to win it playing this kind of football. Can you just talk to me a little bit, Rob, about United have in big games in the past looked defensively solid. I, I think of games against Manchester City uh, where they've managed to keep City out, keep them at bay and, you know, either hit them on the break or just be clinical in the, in the final third and just manage to stifle them in a sense. Why are we seeing them concede so many goals now? I think the, the reason we're seeing this as kind of complete tactical breakdown is because you've brought three new players into the club. And what those three players were supposed to do was improve you, not make you worse. But we've seen it in football so many times over the years where you bring in one or two core players and United have brought in three and it doesn't work for whatever reason. You know, you can blame the management for saying that maybe their tactics are outdated or they're not being uh, kind of drilled into the players enough to, to get the results that you need. But we did say at the start of the campaign that bringing Ronaldo into the football club would change the tactics of this football team. Now, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer had, had said many times before and at the back end of last season and the preseason this year that he wanted to play a more progressive system. He wanted to play something that looked more like 4-3-3. And when United have switched to 4-3-3 in games, they look like a complete hot mess. And then they lose games. So what does Ole do? He goes back to a double pivot. He plays 4-2-3-1. He plays McTominay and Fred. These are not difficult things to kind of fathom why, why they are as they are. But of course, and I think players then lose faith with the philosophy of what you're trying to do. So you said again at the top of the show about not doing a press. Well, United are clearly not set up to press as a unit. But last year against Manchester City, they showed they could press. They played a high line. They were right on Manchester City. They closed the space down and they did it effectively. There is no issue with fitness in this Manchester United squad. They are all fit as fiddles. Cristiano Ronaldo is fit. The difference is, is that you're not telling Ronaldo to press. So I think that this is where United are maybe caught between you know, a rock and a hard place. And they're trying to do one thing, but they're not completely committed to it for several reasons. And I think this is where Ole needs to sort it out because Ole needs to either go, right, I'm going to go out and attack teams and we're going to rely on our attack. You just mentioned there Maguire and, and Shaw. I think that shows how fractured United are in terms of the connections on the football pitch is that things that were working last year defensively, United were good defensively last year, have now completely collapsed because the midfield and the attack are doing something very, very different. And that, that leaves the defence exposed. And we said that last year as well, that, that the United defence, when they're exposed, when the double pivot doesn't protect, when the midfield isn't doing that running, that United can be got at. And we saw that now. We saw that with the Liverpool game. But we've seen it, Scott, with pretty much every game this season. It's not new. This is stuff we've seen repeated over and over again. The issue is that you play Liverpool, a world-class team. They are going to deconstruct you if you give them a yard. Salah just danced around the pitch. And, and, I, and I, do, I kind of feel a little bit sorry for the likes of Luke Shaw and Harry Maguire. Because, again, I think that some of these names are scapegoats because it's more about the full team. And I look at Ronaldo and I look at Bruno and I look at Pogba and I look at guys who are at the top end of the pitch. I want more from them. I want to see more than just individual brilliance. I want to see that they're connecting as a team. And the blatant truth is they're just not. Yeah, it's only down to Ollie and his coaching staff at the moment. I think that's becoming abundantly clear. The players should shoulder some blame for you know, losing in that manner. But when you see them, how easily they were picked apart 
you know, it's just, you can only point your finger at one place really, regardless of what the damage that these owners are doing to the club and that kind of stuff. Maybe it all does stem down to that in the end, but in terms of actually playing football the right way and being on the pitch and controlling a game, you know, I haven't controlled the game. I, I can't, I can't recall the last time they controlled the game. It's, uh, it's completely insane. But uh, we talked about there, uh, I think we mentioned a bit of whether there'd be disharmony or whatever, but there's been some reports in the last few days since that game about potential fallouts within the squad. Now, a couple of days ago, uh, there was talk about Eric Bailly hitting out at Ole Gunnar Solskjaer for essentially not picking him when Harry Maguire was rushed back from injury for the Leicester game. I, I felt some sympathy with him there, to be honest, because it didn't look like Maguire would play until, you know, an hour before he started, an hour before he was named in the team. But you just kind of felt like if, if Maguire had a chance that Oli would go back to him. And what does that really say about his opinion of Eric Bailly? He's not the only player either um, who is in that kind of situation. And today, uh, we're recording on Wednesday, as I say, Paul Pogba has hit out at fallout reports uh, from a newspaper on his Instagram and has said, I quote, tabloid press once again wants to create polemic with 100% fake news, big lies to make headlines. Journalists who use my name to be seen when there is nothing to see. The only reason I address this BS is out of respect to my coach, club and fans to send a clear message. The less you read these people, the better you are. They have no shame and will say just anything with no basis at all in uh, capital letters towards the end. So perhaps the, the fallout is overplayed in a sense. It, that reading that message it does seem to me like Pogba and Ollie have respect for each other especially in Pogba's case towards his coach uh but perhaps the messages aren't getting through but you know to, for Paul Pogba could have said nothing there couldn't he yeah he could have done and I think it's really important for United fans to understand that there isn't any kind of anarchy behind the scenes at United so you know I, I have in recent days kind of compared the kind of tactical breakdown that we've seen on a football pitch to that of the breakdown of Mourinho's final days at United, certainly the final 10 games and why United sacked Jose. But the, the crucial difference between the two times in history is that there was real poison behind the scenes with Mourinho and that the players had not just lost faith with him, but they really did feel that he was dragging them down to a place where it was affecting performances. The relationships between manager and player had gone. It was evaporated. Uh, that's not the case with, with Ole. So again, some of the reports today are suggesting that there is player disharmony. And of course, players will be upset when you're losing games and they will look to the manager for guidance. But there isn't that breakdown of communication or you, know, you could even use the word love between player and manager. Ole still has the support of his players, certainly his senior players. There'll be fringe players like Bailly who rightfully should be annoyed that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is picking a one-legged captain who can't run really with two legs uh, ahead of him in a match where you then get hammered by four. And, and also that's the other side of it is that Maguire is still coming back to fitness and was then put in front of Mohamed Salah. So this is all about the manager in terms of his tactics and selection. And there are going to be some players that don't like it. I'm sure Donny van der Beek is not very happy at the moment. But overall, the squad is there is no disharmony there. And I think what Ole will be saying to his boys in the next day or two ahead is go and read the press. The press hate you. 
the fans don't like you go and prove them all wrong so there will be this kind of faux ferguson mentality of creating maybe a siege mentality amongst his squad and i think he'll actually try and use that as a positive whether that can supersede tactics scott because i think that's the issue here can you put these players on a pitch and get victories now with very tough games with very organized opponents in front of you i think that's the bigger question and i think that's where it will make or break Ole now i think i don't think the squad will go into the tottenham game thinking hmm we can get this manager sacked. I think they'll be going into that Spurs game going, right, let's give it one last go. Let's follow his tactics or whatever they might be. And let's try and get the victory for their manager. Yeah, uh, there was a uh, Jesse Lingard uh, on the uh, on the side of the pitch the other day responding to a fan. And then he came out on Twitter to actually address the point as well. Uh, it doesn't... We could do without this, let's be honest. We could do without the <laughs> the run of poor form, the run of poor defeats and the fallout that comes with it. But uh, that's where United are realistically at the moment. We will talk in a second about other candidates, but um, it doesn't really bear thinking about what a defeat at Spurs at the weekend could do. I mean, we're we're recording midweek here before the Spurs game. We're probably not going to go too deep into that because breaking down each game as it comes, it just probably isn't the right move move to do at the moment because you've got to look a little bit longer term and there will be other candidates waiting in the wings now. There are, there are right, Rob. We've all seen the Antonio Conte uh, links over the last few days. Zinedine Zidane's name has been uh, touted quite frequently as well. Whether his interest uh, in the role, should it come up, is, uh, is legitimate. We're not really sure. It doesn't seem like it is. And there are other managers in line uh, potentially to, to come in or maybe ones that United will contact. But, you know... Ollie hasn't got long left, so it is in United's interest to actually start looking at other options, isn't it, Rob? So we spoke about Antonio Conte. It seems like every week for the last five or six weeks, we've only we're only eleven episodes in, which is uh, to this series, which is quite mad. But to have Conte so frequently mentioned must indicate that the problems are there, and that the results and the performances catching up with each other now just means that. It's getting a little bit closer to reality that we're having a manager change coming up soon, unless Oli pulls something out of the bag. So tell me what uh, your understanding is around the Antonio Conte links at the moment. Well, we, we're fairly confident now that United are, are putting feelers out from the football club to agents to talk to people. So they've made that first vital step in finding a replacement. And I think when that happens at any football club, that is the beginning of the end. I think once a, a board reach out to to agents and to managers and to to different people that opens the door for an exit essentially so none of this is kind of rocket science in terms of what Ole is doing the results are not good enough the performance is not good enough the tactics are not good enough you don't sack players as i repeatedly say you sack coaches so this is where we stand with it so antonio conte is the big name being linked um, plenty of reports coming out from from either Sky Italia and just Italian sources that that is the case that that he is very willing to talk to United uh, and that United are now willing to talk to him. Sometimes you have to take some of those reports with a pinch of salt because they are based mainly on the theatre or football, or what's going on behind the scenes or what you can see on a football pitch. Um, but United are looking, and I think that's the vital point. And it doesn't necessarily mean that it'll be Antonio Conte. There are contractual issues there, both in 
the kind of contract that he would want and the contract that he has with Inter. Um, there would have to be a severance there, which means he would lose millions of pounds with the, the deal he did with Inter when he, he left the football club. Um, and there is that to put on the table. It's the same when United wanted Pochettino uh, some time back when he was Spurs manager. It was going to cost around £30 million and Edward would went, mm, maybe we'll stick with Solskjaer, which is what he did. And then Ole managed to recover results off the back of some really poor performances. But this feels very different because there's also going to be a change in the guard at United. Edward Wood is leaving. Uh, Richard Arnold's going to take his place. And when that happens upstairs, you do find that when change needs to be triggered, that the new guy likes to bring in someone who is his guy. That's not saying that Ole isn't the guy of the board or the Glazers. He is at the moment. But you lose another game at Spurs, say that's a bad one. Say Harry Kane gets a hat-trick. Son plays out of his skin and gets a gets a hat-trick. You lose the game 3-4-5-0. You could probably bet you're getting sacked the next day. So United are doing this. They're looking for a new coach. Stylistically, who's out there that can play the United way? I don't really know that coach exists. But I don't actually think that's what the Glazers are thinking about. They're thinking about winning games. And Antonio Conte, he's absolutely a winner. I was just going to ask, it's a good thing you mentioned that. So, obviously, Zinedine Zidane's out of work, but I think we can perhaps put him aside. Antonio Conte is the one who has been linked uh, most frequently, perhaps. I wanted to ask you this, Rob. Is Conte the right man, or is he just the best available option? Because there are coaches at other clubs who perhaps would not want to jump in mid-season. I think of... I think. I've seen Eric Ten Hag's name at Ajax linked a, linked a little bit over, over the last few days. Um, I don't know whether he'd want to leave Ajax for a challenge like this now. Graham Potter's name has been linked. Personally, I kind of feel like while he's a really good coach, I think all of the extra stuff that comes with managing Man United could get on top of him pretty quickly. It might be a, a difficult one to just concentrate on the football itself. Do you think is Conte the right man to kind of pursue? Because I have seen some other suggestions as well that he's not everybody's man in the United decision-making team. It's such a great question because you talk about the right coach or the best coach. What do you do? Now, just uh, to kind of give some background on that, you know, Gary Neville was talking about this, obviously, on Sky the other day. And he was saying, Man United are not going to go back to what they did before with Van Gaal, and with uh, Mourinho, with a guy who were, you know, the best coaches on the market at that point, they're going to stick with the right guy. And they think that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is the right guy. Well, I'll tell you what, if you're losing games, you're not the right guy. That's first and foremost. But what's out there for United? You know, who, who do you go for? Personally, I think that in any industry, whatever you're doing, you go for the best guy. You go for the best version of what you can get. So we talk again about the United way. What Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is doing at United is not the United way. 4-2-3-1, completely dysfunctional, not winning matches, not promoting youth within that system either, is not the United way. So you can kind of like, you can take the script of whatever it is at the moment and rip it up and start again. And if you do start again, I think you have to go and get the best tactician. You know, if tactics are your problem, go and find a tactical coach that can fix you. People talk about Conte. And, you know, his history of being at football clubs and leaving football clubs. And I think it's a valid concern. 
But also when you look at why he left Chelsea and left Inter, they were massively dysfunctional behind the scenes. He didn't like it and he left. I think he was right to leave those clubs. So I wouldn't kind of put that on his shoulders. But for me, my choice at the moment, 100% is Antonio Conte because the guy has got tactics. He's won the Premier League with a very average Chelsea team. He'd be coming to Manchester United with a much better squad a much better grounding. He will also get players that he wants. The Glazers will give him players in the next transfer windows. And I think that he has that acumen to fix the issues that we are seeing. I don't buy into all this about finding the right guy because the best guy is the right guy. Go and get the best guy. Ten Hag is interesting, but I think that for him to replicate what he what he's doing at Ajax and have done, has done at Ajax at Manchester United is almost impossible. It's a completely different world. Ajax, you have got time. They have a philosophical structure at that football club that's been in place for 50 years and everything is built around that philosophy. Manchester United don't really have that. They might have the United way, but this is a set of owners that don't really know a lot about football. So you're always going to get this kind of swing that you get like with England, where you get the foreign coach and an English coach and the foreign coach and English coach. And it does that over 10, 20 years and it swings backwards and forwards. I think Manchester United are more akin to that model. So I think Gary Neville is wrong. And I actually agree with what Jamie Carragher said uh, in response to him is that you go and get the best coach. You know, when Liverpool got Klopp, they went and got the best coach. When City got Guardiola, they got the best coach. The best coach on the market today, without a shadow of a doubt for me, is Antonio Conte. I agree with you. And just, uh, just to talk about my stance on this, I'm, I'm completely there. I think the deficiencies in this United team at the moment is obviously a shortcoming in the coaching methods. It's not transferring ideas onto the pitch. It all looks very disorganised. Antonio Conte, if I've learned anything about him, knows how to set a team up. He doesn't necessarily play defensive football. I think that's a myth that kind of follows him. You've touched on that in the last few weeks, Rob. He knows how to win. And I think United have been there before with a, a Mourinho, but perhaps got him after he was damaged by sackings by Real Madrid and Chelsea. So perhaps, and we've seen that even now, uh, I know Roma have had a, they had a decent start to the season, but they've had some damaging defeats. Uh, I remember there was a, a 6-1 last week in the in the Europa Conference League. And there's even suggestions now that I saw somebody wrote an article the other day. I can't recall who it was, but Jose should just retire. He's obviously lost his aura. He's lost his ability to manage at the top level. I think Antonio Conte is probably still there right at his very peak. The only, the only real concern that I do have is you mentioned there that Conte has fallen out with somebody at Chelsea and fallen out with somebody at Inter over different issues. United's structure does not fill me with confidence that Conte won't fall out with somebody there too. Although perhaps he'd be ready to challenge them because he expects the best. So I do feel personally that Conte is the right choice at this moment in time. But I do have that little bit of a reservation in a couple of years' time that this could happen again. And United might be in a in a similar position, you know, in in a damaging position where they'd need to find somebody else to come in and do it again. Whereas it would just be easier if a Pep or a, or a Klopp were out there to just hire and you know take take the team forward for X amount of years, five years, seven years, or whatever it is. But they, that candidate doesn't really seem to exist, does it, at the moment? 
No, it doesn't. And I think as well with Conte, say Conte comes to Man United and for five years wins games and wins trophies. No one's saying boo to him. You know, I think United actually allow the manager to operate in fairly or in a fairly autonomous way. So you don't get board interference the same way that maybe you would have got at Chelsea with Abramovich and that you would have got uh, at Inter Milan with the owners that they had at that moment where they were trying to kind of build a football club and then actually deconstruct the, the football club because they were trying to take the money out of the team. So I think that Conte rightfully in those two situations went, no, I don't want to be part of this. I think that's what I would do that doesn't mean that you're a kind of divisive figure and we don't hear that about him as well when we hear from people that connect with him former players people who have been on his staff maybe as well anecdotal stories about him as a player and the kind of player that that he was that he's a guy that wants to win he's tactically very astute he works with players really well they they buy into what he wants to do and he wins he went to it's Inter, he won. He went to Chelsea, he won. He showed that Juve before that he wins. He's got all of that acumen. He's got all that background. I think United need a little bit of that and in terms of the kind of real build of the football club because I think Ole has taken United back to somewhere where they want to be, you know, maybe just in the conversation for titles, if not completely cutting it on a football pitch. But Conte might be your next step. So in the same way that you go and buy a player to take you to the next level in your team, like United have done this year, you have a defensive problem, you go and get Rafael Varane. You have a striking problem, you go and get Cristiano Ronaldo. I think we're kind of at that stage now where you need a better coach. And I think that someone like uh, Conte, I'm not scared by his reputation. I would be saying to him, here's the keys to the car, go and drive it. Get it back on the road, find a way for us to win football matches with this very, very good squad. And I think he'd be up for it. You know, like we, we again, in our job, we hear that Conte is openly um, willing to return to England. He's a bit of an Anglophile. He enjoys English life. He was very happy in London. He didn't want to leave Chelsea. You know, he didn't want to leave the Premier League. I think even when he was winning the, the title last year in Italy, he said, it's great winning the Italian title, but the Premier League is the best league in the world. And that's where you've got to go and prove yourself. I like that. I think that United is the kind of challenge he wants. He's also talked about managing an elite club. He doesn't want to kind of go in on a project level at, say, a Newcastle, where there's a big long bill to be, to be made, where you're starting from scratch almost. He wants to go into an established giant to prove that he can manage these elite historical teams. And Manchester United are very much in that category. Yeah, I do believe Ollie does deserve some credit for the job overall. You, you touched on it there, Rob, how he took them from, I remember that feeling. I remember that feeling after when he came in uh, and just after Mourinho had been sacked, it was like, wow, this squad needs some serious work done on it. They were players he had to shift out. And he, in the early months and maybe the first year, 18 months, he did that. Uh, and I think in conjunction with the people who are buying the players and, you know, put the final seal on it. I think United have done a good job of rebuilding the squad to a point where the, the expectations back there now. And I think Ollie, Ollie deserves credit for that. I don't really feel when he came in that the expectation was that this team should be winning titles because they weren't able, you know? No, he, he, he was given a diseased carcass when he came to the football club. That's where he was, you know, and when he went on that run of kind of 19 games where they were just irrepressible and played amazing football when he was the interim, it kind of proved a point that, 
United still had a decent squad, but everything that had been going on in the previous 12 months had ruined it, you know, and that, that came from Mourinho. It's important not to rewrite history because I 100% supported Mourinho all the way through up until that final period. I really did. I wanted him to be the boss and I wanted him to kind of take the team forward. He was the best on the market. So that's kind of the same philosophy. It's the way I look at it. When Ole came in, you know, I think it's fair to say that People were surprised that he was given a contract, a permanent contract so quickly, but it also wasn't surprised because the Glazers wanted stability and Ole had proved that he could fix some things. And I think over that two-year period of coming third in year one or third in that year, in two years ago, and then last year coming second, runners up to uh, a very good um, Man City team and ahead of Liverpool, that was progress. You know, it might not be winning a trophy, but it was progress. And that progress with this transfer window has hit the buffers. Better team now, better squad, good signings, good investment by the football club in terms of their wages. They've bought three players in that you would expect to make you better. You know, where's Jaden Sancho, Scott? Where is he? You know, why is he not on a football pitch? People can talk about Donny van der Beek until they're blue in the face. Where's your £75 million signing? You know, what we're talking about a press, but there are other things going on at United now that are not very savoury. So I think that Ole's kind of gone as far as he can. And the change is the only way really to get it back on track. I, I, I've said it, I think, a hundred times in the last two weeks. You saw what Chelsea did last year. They got rid of Lampard, a club legend, someone that Chelsea fans will always love. And they brought in an elite coaching talent in Tuchel. They won the Champions League. I think United could repeat that. I look at that, you know, we're never ever going to dislike Solskjaer. He's always going to get his name sung until the final minute and even when he leaves the football club. But I think maybe now in a professional sense, Manchester United need a new coach to put new ideas into this squad. You actually just ruined my next question. I was about to ask you, how quickly could we see an uplift uh, in this team Uh, if, if an Antonio Conte came in? You'd expect a quick uplift. And, and the whole idea is that to, to put coaching ideas across does take time. So again, let's use Tuchel as the example. He went to Chelsea and what did he do? He fixed the defence. That's what he did. He went there and said, we now need to become hard to beat. You hemorrhage goals. We're going to stop hemorrhaging goals. And everyone went, how do you do that? And he went, we do it like this. So that was a starting point for maybe to say the first 10, 15, 20 games. Like I just said at the top of the programme here that... Um, Chelsea are still the team that run less than Man United in this Premier League, but they have a system that's built around a coaching philosophy. So they are in a good place and that's where you need to be. So if if Conte came in tomorrow, I think this season's a little bit of a write-off. You'd have to say, right, you've got this season to fix stuff, but, you know, it's imperative that you get Champions League. It's imperative that you perform as well as you can in Europe till the end of the season and you find a way. And then we reevaluate. Then we see that where are we in this project? But I think Conte gets a song out of this squad. I think he's got weapons. I think he's got players that he would go, do you know what? I can use you. I can make you better than your previous manager did. And I think that's the bit that weighs heavy on Ole is that there is talent in this squad that hasn't translated into better tactical performances and better results. You know, if you say to a manager, I'm giving you Cristiano Ronaldo, you better start winning. You better win every match. That's the pressure. You had Ronaldo at Juventus. And when Ronaldo, when they realized that Ronaldo was not going to make them better after two years, they cut their losses 
and got rid of him. And as I said, it's not Cristiano's fault. I'm not blaming it on one player. I really do think it's the coaching staff that have to carry this one. But unfortunately as well for Ole, you know, you don't get an infinite amount of time when you're in this situation. Eventually time runs out and everyone hugs and kisses. We say, thank you very much, Ole. He goes on his way. He's probably eight, nine million pound richer from a, a severed contract that he signed earlier on. Not so long ago, the Glazers have got good form for that. Uh, and I think he'll be perfectly fine. I think he'll get another job elsewhere. I did want to ask you two more questions before we wrapped up. Um, what could United look like in a couple of months' time? Let, let's, I personally think that the Conte route will end up playing out. I don't know when, maybe in the next month. I, I do think that that will, that will end up playing out. I mean, these three games that are coming up, I, I look at that Man City game before the international break and I think if they defend like that and they don't tighten up, it's going to be another Liverpool. And I even think somebody like Harry Kane and Son, if they were afforded the same amount of space, Spurs are struggling to, to really score at the moment. Kane's record uh, in the league this season for, for goals isn't great. He hasn't really picked up yet. But if a quality player like that is afforded the amount of space that United have been giving teams recently, I could see another <laughs> heavy uh, shipping of goals in that game too. So, you know, what could what do you think United could look like in a couple of months? Do you think this Conte thing will play out and what which players could benefit from uh, him coming in? I think there's two scenarios that will play out, one or the other. And I think the, you know, what's said earlier on about the three games, I think he will get the three games to show something if, the, if, if he can fix this on a training ground. I'm not convinced that he can. I think that's one scenario. So that would mean that United won all three of these games. So Spurs, Atalanta and City, that United pick up incredibly. The individual talent shines through. You win those games and that stay of execution is in place. And it was a little bit like that with Mourinho. We were kind of waiting for that to happen. And I think Jose ended up being sacked at the start of December. And I think that is the second scenario, because I think that could happen. That if United do pick up their performances and start winning games, you know, in some miraculous fashion, that Ole could survive until Christmas. Um, again, leaning on the Lampard analogy from earlier, Lampard, uh, basically survived till the start of January that when the January transfer window opened, Chelsea got itchy feet and went, right, let's get rid. And I think United are very similar there. I think that if you say get to Christmas and you are, you know, maybe flirting with fifth or six and you're not in a champions league and you're really not competing and all of these things are falling away very quickly that they will fire him with that without any grace you know it'll be a thank you very much Ole and off you go but that also now gives United maybe a month or two or three to prepare for the next coach and that will be about legal negotiations on contracts you know whoever that be whether that be Conte or whoever comes next and I think the United will move towards that so it's one of those two scenarios Scott and I think that I think it's probably more the the first one I think that these next three games are nasty and in the next five are just as nasty, as you said, running into Chelsea, running into a, a resurgent Arsenal team that look like they're up for it again. All of these these kind of uh, hurdles that you have to jump. You just mentioned Tottenham, two world-class strikers in that team. Yeah, two world-class forwards that can absolutely hurt you if you're not organised. Man United are not organised, you know, whether it be from the defence into the midfield to the attack, that Nuno sets up in a kind of pragmatic way, that Tottenham team. And Harry Kane, just the last few games, he's starting to tick. You can see there's bits of his game, his movement's better. 
He looks fitter. He looks like he's motivated. And Son is just Son. You know, if you give him the channel, he'll run it. He'll outrun Maguire every day of the week. Well, what a week it's been. I think that's it for us today. What a week it has been for Manchester United. An awful defeat at home to Liverpool. The wheels are really falling off now. And uh, difficult games ahead. Tottenham await on Saturday. Uh, before games with Atalanta and Manchester City next weekend. We'll be back uh, after the Tottenham game, I would think, and we will talk through that. We'll talk through all of the things that have gone wrong or whether there's a massive resurgence, we will see. Uh, Or maybe it is the end for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And if that does happen at any point, we will jump on impromptu and record something for you, record our reaction to it. Um, But guys... I hope you've enjoyed the show. I hope there's a little bit of uh, relief from the horrors that uh, comes with supporting Manchester United at the moment. Remember, remember to subscribe to our show. We're on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and follow us on Twitter. You can find us at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promise Land MU. Get in touch with us. Let us know your thoughts. Uh, review the show. Drop some uh, five star reviews on whichever podcast provider you're using and support us and keep in touch. Uh, let us know your thoughts on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and what is going to happen in the next few weeks. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.